reading from the book of Acts. Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. But one day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. They were Jews from Cyrene, Alexandria, Cilicia, and the province of Asia. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, We heard him blaspheme Moses and even God. Well, this roused the people, the elders, and the teachers of the religious law. So they arrested Stephen and brought him before the high council. The lying witnesses said, This man is always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy the temple and change the customs that Moses handed down to us. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his face had become as bright as an angel's. Then the high priest asked Stephen, Are these accusations true? You stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Uh, My name is Paul. I'm the senior pastor here at One Fellowship. If you would, please bow your heads with me as I share one more brief word of prayer before diving into this passage. Dear Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. And in the oldest prayer of the church, I pray, come, Holy Spirit, come in Jesus' name. Amen. This fall, we are making our way through a book of the Bible called Acts, which is short for Acts of the Apostles. And today's message is titled, True Faith. To begin, let me ask this question. Have you ever shared a message that was not well-received? Have you ever shared a message that was not well-received? This week, we celebrated a golden birthday in the Sorensen home. Um, Caden, our oldest, turned 16 years old. Raise your hand if you know what a golden birthday is all about. Raise your hand. I didn't either. I was surprised, and supposedly I had celebrated one before in my life. Here's what a golden birthday is. A golden birthday, a person's golden birthday occurs when they turn the age of their actual birthday. Got it? So my wife, she's born on February the 3rd. She had to celebrate her golden birthday at three years old. Caden, born on January 16th, he got to celebrate his birthday on January 16th. We need more participation. He got to celebrate his birthday on January 16th. There we go. And uh, it was a glorious day. Um, Carly and Sailor got to decorate the whole house. That's what they love to do. They love to go big with birthdays. And my wife shared another story of a golden birthday. You see, my wife, um, her parents, by the time they hit 23 years old, already had 
uh, excuse me, four children, four kids. Uh, Neither were able to go to college. By the time they were 25, which was her dad's birthday, his golden birthday, they didn't have money. He was in construction. Pretty much all he had were his tools. And my mother-in-law had a great idea. Why don't I go to the local hardware store, get some gold spray paint, and spray paint all of his tools? It would really bless uh, her husband, my father-in-law, Tom. And so with no money in the middle of the night, Kim went out to the garage, spread out all of Tom's tools, pretty much everything that they had, you know, lived by, his toolbox, his nice hammers, even all individual nails that were in the toolbox, different wrenches, all this, okay? Now, mind you, 25 years old, his birthday's in July in Minnesota, anyone from up north, right? They only do construction, it seems, like six months out of the year. So they're working 12 to 14-hour days, right? He's a young guy trying to make it in the industry. He walks out and she says, surprise, happy birthday, and he goes, What have you done with me, woman? What have you done? And so for not only the next day, but the next months, the next couple years, he had to go to work and be mocked because he was carrying his golden toolbox birthday gift and his golden hammer. True story. Thank you so much, Kim. You're so thoughtful. Well, in our passage... Stephen also shares a message that was not well-received. And look, I know we have a lot of visitors. Thanks for coming today. It's a joy to have you with us. I just encourage you to find one thing to take away from my message this morning. I think the big idea for all of us from our passage is this. True faith shares, suffers, and stands for the gospel of Jesus no matter the cost. True faith shares, suffers, and stands for the gospel of Jesus, no matter the cost. So over the next few minutes, we're going to unpack the passage Leslie so beautifully read, so let's dive in. Point number one, true faith shares. True faith shares. The passage began, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed amazing miracles and signs among the people. As I read this, I couldn't help but think of this African proverb. If you think you're too small to make a difference, you haven't spent the night with a mosquito. (laughs) So who is Stephen, you might ask? Who is Stephen in our passage? Well, if you go back to my sermon last week, there was a problem in the early church, in the early family of faith. You see, they were growing by leaps and bounds, and some people were feeling left out. And so people rose up and they went to the leaders of the church called the apostles and they said, hey, these, these kind of outside converts, um, they're being left out. These widows, they're not being fed in the way they, they need to be fed. And so the apostles anointed seven men to care for those people in need, to care for all the people in need. And it just so happens Stephen is one of those people. Now, Stephen, all the people that were tapped to lead in in Acts chapter 6 in the front half, they were all outsiders that had become insiders. They all had Hellenistic names, 
meaning most likely they were all immigrants appointed to serve. Isn't that great? And it says, he, Stephen, was a man full of grace and power. I just love that balance, grace and power. Uh, One theologian says it like this, this is sweetness and strength merged in one personality. Is that how people describe you or us? So what's happening here in this passage? Well, Stephen is performing amazing miracles and signs among the people. He's preaching about the good news of Jesus, forgiveness of sins, new life in him, that you're called to greater love, greater intimacy, greater impact. You're made for more. And you know what's interesting about this exact language? It's only been used thus far in the Bible, in the New Testament, to describe the works of Jesus in the works of the apostles. And so what's happening here is as the church is growing up, it's growing out. And hopefully that's happening here at one fellowship. So it starts with Jesus, the Savior love. Then he calls these people to the mission of love as the family of love. And they're going out, they're multiplying. So Stephen is the latest leader to step up. And what's really cool, through the first six chapters of Acts, they're localized in their mission. They're just focusing on Jerusalem. But this guy, Stephen, and after him, Philip, they set the foundation for going beyond Jerusalem to the Gentiles, kind of picking up the sticks and going out. And there's these crazy conversions we're gonna see later this spring about a guy named Saul and then another leader. And, you know, what's happening with Stephen can be happening with us. Jesus promised to all of his followers, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I've done and even greater works because I'm going to be with the Father, John 14, 12. Do you believe that God wants to use you? Have you ever considered that even if you are new here, God wants to use you here? And I especially even want to highlight this for first-time visitors today. Have you ever considered you're not here by accident? That even if you're new here, God can use you here. Why do I say that? Well, this week, uh, I had the privilege of circling out with some of you, and I heard several defining moments of your faith journey with us in one fellowship. This person would say, yeah, Mickey, Mickey Ramey invited us into the family, right? Or, or um, Trisha Banks, she invited us into the family. Or Melissa, Melissa Montana, she invited us into the family. And there was this one couple who shared, believe it or not, we moved from California. We were kind of just struggling to plug in. We were looking for a church. We were actually at a bar. We were actually at a bar, and we met some people next to us. And somehow we were discussing our move from California and the the topic of church came up and they said, you've got to try out this church. You've got to try out this church. And I was like, wow, at a bar? Like, who was it? And, And they couldn't remember the name of the couple, but they remembered he was a screenwriter for HBO. And here's the deal. These are old friends, but they only came to our church one time. Through that one invitation, that couple, that family, the Bartons are now like founding 
a founding family of our church and not just their family, but their uh, daughter's family. I mean, it's amazing, just one invitation at a bar. See, point number one, true, true faith shares the gospel of Jesus. Point number two, true faith suffers. I love how Nikki Gumbel puts this. Sometimes you may face difficulties in life, not because you're doing something wrong, but because you're doing something right. And as we see in our passage, as Stephen shared the gospel, he faced very serious difficulties. The passage goes on. One day, some men from the synagogue of freed slaves, as it was called, started to debate with him. None of them could stand against the wisdom and the spirit with which Stephen spoke. So they persuaded some men to lie about Stephen, saying, we heard him blaspheme Moses and even God, and this roused the people, the elders and the teachers of the religious law. And so they arrested Stephen, brought him before the high council. The lying witnesses said, this man's always speaking against the holy temple and against the law of Moses. We have heard him say that Jesus of Nazareth, he'll destroy the temple and change the customs Moses handed down to us. So what's going on here in our passage? Well, the people in power were caught up in pride and self-preservation. What's happening is there's people converting and finding new life, new hope, forgiveness of sins, a new family in Jesus. It says in the early chapters of Acts, thousands and thousands of people from all walks of life are coming to Jesus. And these guys... They're jealous. And what do they do? They, they uh, begin a smear campaign. Basically, they're taking the words of Jesus and the words of Stephen and twisting them and planting them like seeds of doubt to incite anger and division. Has that ever happened to you, I wonder? So let's look at what they were specifically saying. They were saying Jesus and Stephen were against the temple. Not true. If you look at the Gospels and the actual words of Jesus, when he was cleaning out the temple, when it had become basically a flea market, he said, you can destroy this temple, I'll rebuild it in three days. But as John shares, that's about his resurrection, the temple of God living in him and then in us. That's why he says in Matthew chapter 12, I tell you, there is one here who's even greater than the temple. And they said, but, but, but he's, he's, he's uh, going to do away with the law of Moses, the custom of Moses. Well, that's not true either. Matthew 5, Jesus is recording as having said, do not think I've come to abolish the law of the prophets. I've not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. John Stott, a theologian, has this to say about Jesus in this context, in these words. What Jesus taught then was that the temple and the law would be superseded, meaning not that they had never been divine gifts in the first place, but that they would find their God-intended fulfillment in him, the Messiah, to affirm that both temple and law pointed forward to him and are now fulfilled in him is to magnify their importance, not denigrate it. 
But nonetheless, that's what they were saying. They were saying he's, he's doing away with Judaism. He's doing away with our past. And they're saying, what do you say to this, Stephen? Is this what Jesus really taught? I don't know about you, but in my life, when I start to live more faithfully and fruitfully, there are distractions that pop up, there's slander that can pop up, and there's distance that can pop up. As we'll see next week, Stephen faces physical persecution at the end of this story. In the West here, I don't know if we're facing physical persecution, but I can guarantee this. If you claim Jesus and you say he's my Lord and my Savior, you can bet that people will start to plant seeds of doubt about you. They'll start to separate from you. This happened when we started our church. I went around the city and I said, hey, would you, I went to different pastors, head pastors, would you pray with us? Would you partner with us? Oh, sure, we'll pray for you. We're part, we'll do this and that. And within six months, I heard two different lead pastors through people in this room start to drop seeds of doubt or even division towards me. One said, yeah, Paul, Paul never really talked to me about this. I'm kind of in the dark. Not true. Dozens of emails to this particular leader. Another leader said, you gotta watch out for him. Like He believes in this and doesn't believe in this and believes in this and doesn't believe in this. And thankfully, the person came to me and said, hey, where do you actually stand? I was like, not there. You see, when the gospel's about to go out, expect suffering to break out. True faith not only shares true faith suffers for the gospel. In point three, true faith stands. At this point, everyone in the high council stared at Stephen because his faith became as bright as an angel's. Then the high priest asked Stephen, are these accusations true? So let me ask this. When trouble comes our way, are we to stand up or shut down? We would receive these words from the Apostle Paul later. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. And that's exactly what Stephen does in Acts chapter seven. He takes a stand by sharing a summary of the Old Testament and then offers a laser-sharp rebuke of the Sanhedrin, of these people. Now here's the good news. You have some homework. I left out 50 verses this morning because I thought that would be too much for Leslie to read. So we read, or Leslie read, the end of chapter six and kind of the middle of chapter seven. There's 50 verses in there where Stephen says, are these accusations true? Basically, let me tell you what's true. And what he does is a beautiful sermon and summary of the Old Testament. He focuses on four figures in four key times in the nation of Israel. 
First, he focuses on Abraham in the early days of the people. Then Joseph in the Egyptian days where God provides for the people. Then Moses in the Exodus where he delivers the people and points them towards the promised land. And then King David and Solomon towards the kingdom days of the people. And then he unleashes this, you stubborn people. You are heathen at heart, deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did. And so you do too. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. And he's basically saying you persecuted Abraham. You persecuted Joseph. You persecuted Moses. You persecuted David. You persecute me. And then he goes, they even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, whom you persecuted, whom you betrayed and murdered. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels. Boom. He doesn't shut down. He stands up. And here's the deal. Sometimes the truth really stings. When I used to live in New England, I did a number of interventions. And I don't want you to raise your hand, but if you've ever been a part of a drug or alcohol intervention, it is gnarly and tough. But you bring the truth in love. Why? You want to raise the bottom and get that person the help they so desperately need. On a smaller level, one of my professors, one of my old mentors, he told me this story. He said his daughter one time, she fell on the concrete in their driveway. She got a bloody knee. He went to go try to clean it out. She said, no, dad, don't come near me. That will hurt. And he said, okay. A couple days later, he looks at her knees. It's swelling up. It's puffy all around it. It's become infected. She said, dad, stay away from me. He goes, I see you're hurting. And now you're in trouble because this infection's only growing. And she goes, I don't want to deal with it. And he goes, we've got to deal with it. And the only way to deal with it is to slice it down the middle, open it up, and clean it out. And sometimes the truth really stings. And that's what Stephen is delivering to these people. You're part of a history of rebelling against God. And over and over again, he's given you mercy and grace and second, and third, and fourth chances. Don't you see it? And here's the deal. Sometimes the truth really cost. He brought them the truth in love. And next week we'll see it cost him his life. If you share and suffer and stand for the gospel of Jesus, it will cost you it will cost us something. So in summary, true faith shares, it suffers, and it stands for the gospel of Jesus no matter the cost. So as we go out today as individuals, I just encourage you, if you're part of this church right now, God, who can I go and share the good news of Jesus with this week? Henry on our production team in the back, we, we circle up as we do a run through before you guys all show up and we are sharing prayer requests. And Henry said, I wanna pray for this, this wife of someone who I met on the tennis courts on Daniel Island. She's got stage four cancer. 
and his name's Tom. And I said, how do you know this? He goes, I played tennis. He goes, I wanna be the person on the tennis court that prays for other people. He met some guy named Tom. The guy shared some of his stories, some of his family struggles. And Henry says, can I pray for you right now? And the guy says, absolutely. So Henry prayed for that man and his wife. What would it look like for us to be a praying and a sharing people on Daniel Island, Charleston, and beyond? Not just, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you right now. Amen, Yuli? Amen, Dave? And when we go to share, you can expect some suffering because we're treading into new territory. There's a battle going on between good and evil. We'll all have a choice of whether we stand or don't stand. But to conclude today's message, I want us to just circle back on this one point. What are we to make of Stephen's face becoming as bright as an angel's? He was not alone. In the pages of Scripture... When God shows up and when his people dwell in his presence, they leave radiating his glory. Check it out, Exodus 34. When Moses came down Mount Sinai carrying the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, he wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. Matthew chapter 28 All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations. And surely I am with you always to the very ends of the age. No matter where you go to share and suffer and stand, if you call on the name of Jesus, you do not go alone. That is why on his deathbed, John Wesley was able to exclaim with great excitement these words. The best of all is God is with us. The best of all is God is with us. The best of all is God is with us. Farewell. You're not alone. True faith shares and suffers and stands for the gospel of Jesus no matter the cost with God at our side. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for the people in this room that shared and invited others into this room today. Thank you for their faithfulness, their friendship. God, for the newcomers here today, I pray that that they would know that you're drawing them unto yourself, that you want to give them fullness of life. You don't want them to be alone. God, for, for us, some of us are enduring suffering. God, may we see the big picture here, that maybe we're not doing something wrong, we're doing something right. And God, may we stand strong in these moments of suffering, lifting high the name of Jesus. We pray all this in Jesus' name, amen.